<laughs> yeah, well, good morning to you all for just joining us. Uh, and if you missed the first hour, we had some spirited conversation uh, with Larry Olam, uh, the head coach of the girls' Orono basket, uh, high school hockey team. Uh, we talked about the Wolves and where they will go. Uh, and, and whether uh, you want Carl Anthony Towns to play for him again as well, if you want to give us a call on that front, we'll take your calls and text to the City's One Plumbing Talk and text line 651-469-226. Will Cat play for the Timberwolves again? Should he play for the Timberwolves again uh, at least this season? Uh, we'll take your calls and text. And if you missed anything from the first hour, you can listen to our podcast on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. The first hour is up now, I am told. Hour number two, we kick things off, Pete. The Wild and the trade deadline. The NHL trade deadline is mm-hmm. Friday. Uh, and it is very, very interesting. The strategy that the Wild are taking at this point. Which is, and to, to kind of, I'll dumb it down a lot because that's how I have to understand things. But I think basically what's happening is there's money for this year, but in order, but the, the Wild cannot sign players with any sort of term beyond this year because of salary cap restrictions uh, stemming from the buyouts of Zach Parisi and Ryan Suter. And mm-hmm. so people keep asking me, why are they doing this? Why are they set bringing guys in? Why was Ryan O'Reilly a wild for 30 seconds and then gone? Basically what they're doing is they have to get, they have to spend this money, uh, and, and they're not going to get anything for, they can't do anything beyond this year. So rather than mortgage the future with the younger, you know, by getting rid of some of their prospects, uh, they're, mm. they're just buying some draft picks and trying to populate that pool. And, and now, whether some of those will be used as trade bait uh, for a trade near the end of this week, I don't know. They certainly could be. It Ooh. is interesting to me, though, that it's it, – this is why Bill Guerin makes the big bucks, right? Like this is a tough – this is a tough spot to be in because the team has started to play better as of late. They are making a push. Every game counts at this point. So is this the time to make a change in the locker room if if you can? Um, and, but there's a lot of factors to think about here because it's not just adding another piece, adding a number one center if they can, which it's going to be very difficult because that costs a lot of money. Mm-hmm. But you're going to essentially change the locker room. And that is a dicey subject when it comes to pro sports pete you know this that that mm-hmm. anytime a trade is made even if it's a small one you just don't know how that's going to affect the locker room and this team is super tight they're a good group they like each other they obviously get along well and it's translating on the ice and so mm-hmm. i don't know if i'm bill garen if i if i make a change here because as you pete you know this that any guy that comes out it changes the makeup of a locker room and that does make a big deal doesn't it yeah, absolutely it does. And I think Billy Guerin, you know, he's looking at it like this. This is just me trying to read through everything. And and what I see is, okay, he sits there in a position right now that says, okay, we could be a playoff team. Are we really a cup, def- you know, contender? And I think that is the question. And it, yeah. you, you can't you can't just be rose-colored glasses. You have to be very honest with yourself, whether you're the GM or a fan or anybody, and say, okay, so if we're not a cup contender, and let's say that that's the case, um, We've got Kaprizov, we've got Zuccarello. Those guys are scoring, but nobody else is. And, and, and we're really struggling on, from that perspective. We've got great goaltending. You know better than anybody, Dave. But, I mean, you know, from that perspective, we are uh, right there with any other team, uh, you know, in the NHL. But the problem is we can't score enough. And, and, and where is the trade that we can what, – what could we possibly execute here before the trade deadline that would give us 
the guy or the guys that we might need to be able to be much better on offense. And I, I just don't see it. So I would expect that we'd be a little bit quiet. We probably won't see a whole lot going on, I wouldn't think. But um, mm-hmm. I think that the reality is, you know, the other thing, you know, we, 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 you said it, that we've had a little bit of a run of late. We have not been a streaky team this year. This is, this is one of the longest runs for a while. We, well, four and one now, but, you know, winning four in a row. It, we, we, you'd have to go back pretty far before we could find out when yeah. it was the last time we did that. So, you know, we have to accept the team that we are right now, and that you look at that point differential, just like in football. It's there, that, I compare them to the Vikings all the time because they've got a pretty decent, you know, when you look at their record, it, it, 32 mm-hmm. and 21, it's, it's not a bad record, and they've only outscored by eight points. So, yeah. uh, you know, goals – that, that says a lot, and it's a lot like what we've seen in the Vikings where, you know what, we had a really good season, we win 13 games, but we knew at some point the lack of the ability of the defense to stop anybody, just like the, the lack of offense for the Wild, that's going to bite them, and, and that will hurt them probably in any kind of a playoff or, or anything beyond. I, you make a great, great point about looking ahead the next couple of seasons because I think that – as a fan, again, I'll, I'll do this as a fan, that there has to be some patience, you know, because mm-hmm. over and over again, we've heard how good this prospect pool is, and they are good. They're, they're the best in the NHL, not the least of which is from Jesper Wallstadt, who's the goalie down in Iowa. Um, and whether he comes up next year or, or maybe he doesn't come up next year, maybe he comes up the year after. Uh, but there's other players. you got Marco Rossi. you got Sammy Walker. Uh, there's so many good players down there who will be coming up, that is it worth it? to? You, they will not. The Wild will not mortgage the farm for this year. And and, and that's the right move. It's the right mm-hmm. move because you're right. We don't know if the – is this team good? Yes. Is this team one player away from being a Stanley Cup contender? I don't know if you can say that yet. Um, mm-hmm. And so the smart move, the, the very smart move that Bill Guerin has made is to wait and see – if there's if there's something that they can do, but it's a tough spot, and mm-hmm. so if it's not this year, there is in in hockey and in all sports, you know this. There is a window to win, mm-hmm. and where you whether the window is fully open, half open, three quarters open, or completely shut, the window to me is wide open right now. That doesn't mm-hmm. mean you can walk through it to a championship tomorrow. But it does mean that now in the next three to five years is the time for this franchise that they can win. And mm-hmm. so it, it takes a smart general manager, and I do believe Billy Guerin is, to, to make the right decisions and to, to, so that you can jump through that window when it's open. And so I think, I, I think you're right. I think that it may be a quiet Friday uh, for the Wild. Mm-hmm. And, and that's okay. That's okay because mm-hmm. – they simply just can't get into, you know, there's an arms race going on right now. My goodness. I mean, St. Louis is selling everybody. The Rangers are buying everybody. Maybe the smartest thing to do is to just say, you know what? We're going to let you guys just pay all your money and we'll, we'll hang out mm-hmm. and, and we'll mm-hmm. wait. So mm-hmm. um, it'll be fun to see that. I, I love love trade deadline day. It's always so much fun to, to see everything uh, kind of go around and all that good stuff. And uh, it'll be fun nonetheless this year. We will take uh, a quick break here. We'll come back. Pete, we're going to talk about the USFL. I want to talk about it. I want to talk about uh, some possibilities for some guys, whether this can actually take off, or, I mean, take off, whether it can actually garner some real support from the football fan base. So we'll talk about that coming up next. You are listening to the huddle on 830 WCCO. 
Welcome back to the huddle. We have all the headlights going, not just one. Good song. I cannot remember who sings it though. What is one headlight? It's, uh, it's the Wallflowers, which the is Wallflowers, which is of course Jacob Dylan, Bob Dylan's son. Oh wow! Of course, of course, you knew that. Yeah, of course you knew that, Charlie. Everything that is Minnesota music. Uh, welcome back. The USFL is uh, is alive and and thriving. Ask Tanner Morgan, who is now a Michigan Panther. Pete, the USFL, uh, I, where are you at on this? I mean, do you, are you like, yay, more football, or, oh, maybe this is going to water things down a bit? Yeah, it feels pretty watered, and I would even say that by the opening weekend of the XFL last weekend, and then again on Thursday, and then um, this weekend, the rest of this weekend today, um, we're going to have more XFL, and then the USFL kicks off in April, and we had, we just had that draft for the USFL where Tanner Morgan went fairly high in the draft there with the eighth pick. So I think that there's excitement for Tanner. I think there's excitement for others uh, with Minnesota Roots that are they're able to get into any of these leagues. I would just say that, you know, it, unfortunately, we are already seeing some of those ratings really crumble just a week into it because they yeah. – you know, they, they give you some pretty good up-to-date numbers, and it's about 50% off of what the XFL was a couple of years ago when they tried to kick it off, but that was during the pandemic, and that was, uh, believe it or not, they had better numbers, uh, double the numbers that they have presently as far as some of the ratings that we're seeing. So that gives you a little bit of an idea that there's an appetite that's still, you know, well over a million people, 1.5 million people watched, but for the big scheme of things, that's probably not the numbers that The Rock and others that are involved in the XFL were hoping for. And now you've got the USFL. We just had the draft. The guys are about to start to go off to those camps because they kick off in, in April. And it's it's are there enough athletes out there to make these leagues something bigger than they are? And I, I don't know that I have a great answer for that right now because – I, I don't know that there's enough people out there to really put these rosters together. The first game in XFL, in the XFL, 1.5% drop over mm-hmm. who turned in uh, for the first game in February of 2020. And I think mm-hmm. they, they had a Dave, you want to re-say that? Today you, uh, that... You, you dropped out there for a second. You want to re-say oh, that? Oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. Which I so I said the fifty percent drop from the same window mm-hmm. in twenty twenty. Uh, mm-hmm. They had one point four five million viewers, a fifty four percent drop from about the three million when the XFL mm-hmm. came back in February of twenty twenty. I I can't for the life of me understand why anybody would think it, it's a this is a good idea. I I don't know. the The smartest thing to me would be if these two leagues combined and mm-hmm. just had one league, but but. Why have two competing leagues in the same sport? It just doesn't make any sense. And I also, I mean, I don't understand why people would make an investment in in any of this, like as a, a for a team or anything, because it just it doesn't make sense. This the NFL is king. The NFL is the best at football. You cannot do it better, right? I, I if you want. A, a steak, you're going to Manny's, right? You're not going to yeah. Perkins. Nothing wrong with Perkins, but I'm not going there for a steak. If you want football, 
You watch the NFL. You don't watch the XFL or the USFL. Unless, and this is, we talked about this very light, very little last week. Mm-hmm. Unless you make these leagues a feeder league to the NFL and you mm-hmm. make it the minor leagues or the next generation of players who are going to be the pros. I think that's the way it works. If you can, you know, if this is a stepping stone, maybe it's a guy from a junior college who never made it to D1 or for whatever reason, you know, just didn't, didn't splash. Maybe it's a Mankato guy. And, and I know one of the, there was a, Charlie, you gave me his name, Evan Pine, I think from, Pine, uh, yeah. who, who got, who got drafted into the USFL. Maybe it's just mm-hmm. a guy under the radar a little bit. Mm-hmm. But unless there's some sort of tie, there has to be a tie. There has to be something that ties this to the NFL because once again, the NFL does it best. You, you're not going to outdo them. You're not. Yeah. And so why? Yeah. And I hate to say, but like, why bother? And that's the problem. Is um, well, they want to bother for this reason, though. Uh, just like with the AFC NFC, uh, way, going way back, AFL back then. But um, you know, there there was that merger. So you know, when it was, believe it or not. We, we might forget, but Trump was a part of that original league in the USFL. How could we and, forget? <laughs> and, uh, and other owners. But they actually submarined the entire thing because they actually had something. They had great quality players. They had what you, you really were looking for um, because they, you know, basically poached them from the NFL. And they created something that was pretty big. Now, the problem was, you know, with all the egos out there from all the different owners that, you know, mm-hmm. somebody knew that there would only be two or three maybe if even that would ever get to the NFL level and be a part of the NFL. And think of that as an investment. If you just put, you know, let's say they did, uh, you know, the teams cost $5 million a piece. Well, we all know that right now in the NFL, you're looking at, you know, values significantly different than that, all of them with a billion behind it. But um, so that's kind of the carrot I think that's out there. The problem is this, these leagues, there, there just isn't enough talent there. And because of that, People turn it off after they turn it on. They go and do something else, and the ratings kind of drop. As a matter of fact, during the games, um, and I, you probably saw this too, Dave, but during the games, you could see those numbers start to dissipate, and they just yeah. you know, started to fade out a little bit. And so I think there is an appetite. I was in that World League of American Football myself, and I can tell you the appetite was there for that. And then when the NFL invested in it, um, it got even better. But then they moved the entire thing over to Europe, and it became NFL Europe. But, you know, and and then eventually they they folded that. But, you know, it's so everybody's trying it, including the NFL, trying to figure out what can we do. And that's why the NFL would like to have a team maybe in London or maybe in Barcelona, because that goes all the way back to the the early 90s when I was playing in that World League of American football. So, you know, they're, they're, they're just trying to be global as much as they can. I don't ever see the NFL investing in either of these leagues. Sim- mm-hmm. simply because they already control the calendar for the year. I think about yeah. it. We're already mm-hmm. talking about the NFL Combine, mm-hmm. and then we're going to mm-hmm. start talking about free agency, which is going to lead mm-hmm. right into the NFL draft, which is going to lead right into the <laughs> schedule released parties, which is going to lead right into training camp, which is going to lead right into the season. There is not a league out there that mm-hmm. controls the calendar of interest in media like the NFL. Say what you want about them, whether you like them, whether you don't, whether you think Roger Goodell, this, that, and the other thing. Nobody, nothing controls the calendar like the NFL. And and it is, they have created a year-long worldwide empire, and they don't need anything else. And so I don't know if, 
XFL, USFL is that there's a thought that maybe if they do well enough that they'll be absorbed, and, and but they don't need it. They, they just simply yeah. don't. So mm-hmm. I, I'm interested to see where this goes. And, you know, at the crux of it, Pete, there's a lot of players who are hoping that this is their shot to an extended career, not the least of which is Tanner Morgan, who you and I have been unapologetic about how much we like this kid. He's yep. a great kid. I am thrilled that he gets an opportunity to play some more football. I wonder if, if if he'll, and I don't know how this works, but I would assume he's still eligible for the NFL draft if they decide that mm-hmm. as long as he doesn't sign a paper to go to the USFL. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, this is this is a kid that at one point, a couple years ago, they thought he might be uh, an NFL player. And I, I don't know if he will. But you root for these guys, and you certainly hope that um, that their that their career uh, does continue. So be yeah. fun to continue to watch that. A little more football if you want to, and then we'll uh, we'll keep talking more about the draft <laughs> as we uh, as we roll on. So take a quick break. Come back. Uh, fast break part two. Coming up next, you're listening to The Huddle on 830 WCCO. Charlie Weiss has got beef. Let's find out who he's turning the heat up on today. It's time for a chuck roast. Week number two. We're back. That's great. Chuck roast. I for, chuck You know roast. what? I called it fast break. It's the chuck roast. I'm sorry. Number like two it. is the chuck. You know, we're still getting used to it. That's okay. It's By the way. Two. Your rant on pickleball last week was was really it was a hot topic, and I found a T-shirt that I'm buying you. I didn't know yeah. you saw it. Yeah, I saw it. I loved it. It's going to be That's very coming. good kindling for uh, my summer bonfires. <laughs> what's, what's grinding your gears this week, Charlie? Yeah, you know, and normally I like to keep uh, chuck roast maybe a little bit lighter, a little fun like pickleball. You know, I don't I don't like pickleball, but it's not that big of a deal. It's just a little game. This week, a little more, a little more serious. I'm frustrated, exacerbated. There's a little bit of melancholy in there, I think. And I'm talking about the situation here with uh, Brandon Miller down at uh, the University of Alabama. I don't know if you're I saw that. on this story, but if you're not, I'll take you through it uh, as simply as I can. Uh, if you have a question, let me know because it is it is a little bit of a confusing situation. Um, but in January, a shooting occurred in a student-oriented business district down uh, near the University of Alabama, and 23-year-old Jamia Harris was shot and killed. Uh, later, junior reserve guard for the Crimson Tide, Darius Miles, was charged with capital murder for providing the gun used in that shooting. At the time, it wasn't known how he got that gun into his possession that night. It later became clear that he did own the gun, but this week uh, it came to light that star Alabama freshman Brandon Miller brought the gun two miles the night of the shooting, uh, and it, w- it was obviously used to to kill her. There is a third person here that did do the shooting itself. Neither of the basketball players are alleged to have done that, the shooting themselves. Uh, but per coaches and law enforcement and, and everybody else, Brandon Miller, who brought that gun two miles that night, is not in any trouble whatsoever. Uh, in fact, he played in a game the next day after those allegations came out and won the games uh, with an overtime bucket. A quote from uh, NBA executives talking about the situation saying, we love Brandon. If he's not in any legal trouble, we'd love to have him. Another scout added, zero impact NBA draft-wise. And I'm saying, what are we doing? Shocker. How is that? How is there no impact being in this situation in the first place? Uh, You know, why is the difference here so different between what happened with Miles and what happened with Miller? They both brought a gun to another person that it was then used in a murder. One of them happened to own the gun. The other had it in their car 
that very night before bringing it over to Miles. Oh, and by the way, last night at a game, he had an introductory uh, kind of dance with another player where he was patted down. Yeah. Uh, finally, well, Nate Oates, the coach of the Alabama Crimson Tide, said, you know what, maybe that's not exactly right because previously Oates said he was just in the wrong place at the wrong time. Let's be honest here. If Brandon Miller was not a star basketball player and was instead a bench player, he would not be playing basketball right now. He just wouldn't. And I'm not saying he should be charged. I'm not saying he should be legally culpable necessarily. That's not what I'm going to get into. I don't know. You know, the laws are different in every state. I, I, I can't go that far. But I just cannot imagine that this guy would be playing basketball if he was not a star player. And the cult of sport in America continues. Really, shame on the University of Alabama, Nate Oates, Darius Miller, obviously the shooter, Michael Lynn Davis, uh, and, the, yeah, the cult of, of sport in the United States of America. There, there's – well, this is interesting, Charles. I'm glad you brought this up. I was actually reading about this this morning. Um, it, it, what, what's interesting to me is uh, that Brandon Miller is in, is in no trouble because of the Alabama there, – there's a statute or yes. however. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say this the wrong way, but – Basically because he didn't know what the gun was going to be used for, that it was going to be used for a crime. Yeah, there's a statute is, in the law that there needs to be some sort of uh, intention. Yeah. There's an intention yeah, that's, stipulation behind the law in Alabama. That's incredible to me. I, I, I'm not going to get into law. I'm not a lawyer. Um, I, and I – it's it, this is a hard topic, right, because it does seem very much like, like he – uh, is getting preferential treatment because he's a star basketball mm-hmm. player, and and the fact that the whole pat down thing last night was just idiotic. But mm-hmm. listen, this isn't the first time kids have done stupid things, right? We have. Mm-hmm. It was mm-hmm. stupid. It was insensitive. It shows that to me, to me, that he's not taking any of this very seriously. If they're willing to to joke about it, and sadly, uh, a young woman's life is is ended, uh, and, and so there. Is, this is not a joking matter at all. No. Even if you're not, even if you don't have anything to do with it, even if you didn't realize that the gun that you brought to somebody else was going to be used for a crime, maybe you thought it was going to be, I don't know. What else do you think a gun's going to be used for? I mean, well, my my, my thing too is late at night on a Saturday night, your buddy texts you, hey, bring me my gun that's in the glove box. Bring me, yeah. I, oh, are you going to you a know, shooting range at, at 9 yeah, o'clock on a I, I Saturday think night? There's some common sense here that, you know yeah. what? I'm sleeping. Uh, I didn't see the text. I'm going to this bed. Is a lar- There's an issue, too, here, Pete, and, I, and I've got to mm-hmm. believe that this is something you're thinking about, about these kids surrounding themselves with the right people and the wrong mm-hmm. people and, mm-hmm. getting, and, and, uh, and impressing upon these young men and women that when you get to be in the big time, whether it's big time college sports or professional sports, you have got to. It is imperative that you surround yourselves with the right people because if mm-hmm. you don't, stuff like this can happen. And and I think it's I, – I, this doesn't surprise me that the NBA exec said, yeah, whatever. We don't – if he's not in trouble with the law, we'll take him anyway. Like that's that's all sports, right? Of course, yeah. these guys, we talked about this already. If they, can, if they can win us games and make us money, we'll look past everything as long as it's not a legal issue. Right. Mm-hmm. Look, look at what some of these guys. Johnny Manziel got drafted. You know how many red flags that guy had. So many red flags around him. It was ridiculous. But yeah. these kids are not surrounding themselves with the right people, Pete. 
Yeah. You know what? You guys used all the, the, the right words to describe exactly what I was thinking. The insensitive side of things, the, the lack of any kind of apologies by, by literally going out there with some sort of a, a crazy uh, pat down deal. I mean, that, none of that optically is good. And, and we're talking about a terrible thing and somebody losing their life and not really uh, embracing the, the severity of what we're really talking about. And I think Coach Oates really owes the fans. He owns Alabama. He owes everybody apologies. And I don't know why a player wouldn't be suspended for at least a period of time. And you know what? I just go back to what I see every time I, I go on uh, Twitter and I see Deion Sanders and some of the great commentary that he's had. Um, if he's a man of his word, which I do think he is, one of the things that I saw in one of his Instagram posts was, hey, look, if you make the wrong decision, if you don't treat somebody the right way, and I would bet that this would fall into that category, this whole situation and how this thing uh, unfolded. But he said, you know what? Uh, I don't care. Don't have your mom call me. You don't call me. You're just gone. And and I would think that he would stick with that. Now, um, it's unfortunate that winning games is more important than somebody's life. And I, and I just I can't even imagine that. And I, I, I understand. Didn't pull the trigger. But you know what? There's a catalyst somewhere that ties these guys in, and it just doesn't make any sense to me why there wouldn't be some sort of suspensions and, and maybe some sort of a, hey, look, you need to understand what, you, what, what people perceive of you now based upon what happened and what you need to do about that. You know, you talked about putting yourself with the right people. Absolutely. And, you know, I'll give all the credit in the world to P.J. Fleck and what the Minnesota football staff does because I know them best. I don't know the rest of the coaches as well as I do with them, but they have those etiquette classes. They have all these different things that, that he goes through for not just the school life or the football life, but just life itself and trying to help these players out when the day comes, they're no longer players, that they, they know more, they're more worldly, and they have more intelligence about how things are read. And so, yeah, this is an amazing thing that, that we've watched play out before our very eyes, and I'm, I'm just stunned at the entire thing on how this has played out in the last week or so. I, well, I know we're up against a break, but there's one article, one line in this article that I was reading on Yahoo Sports that drives me crazy. And this is, mm-hmm. you want to talk about things in sports where, where thing, where the actual laws of the regular world and checks and balances don't apply. It says Oates was asked pregame if he reached out to the family. Then an Alabama communications staff member reemphasized that Oates was only taking questions about the game. That was it. <laughs> I hated that. I yeah. hate that. The censorship of, of, no, we're only talking about the game. Okay, so you're telling us what we can ask you questions about? Because that's not a free and unbiased press. That's you using us to be your PR machine. And that kind of business, and it ha- and it, it does play into this larger point, Charlie, that you made, which is the laws and rules of the regular world don't always apply in college and professional sports. Mm-hmm. Right. And that's what this this is a greater issue of. And and you're right. Mm-hmm. I'm glad you brought this up and I'm glad we could we could chat about it a little bit. Um but I do think it's a big problem and and it's not going to get fixed anytime soon. And um uh, sadly once again a, a young woman's life uh is is what the price is and that's mm-hmm. that's a price that's too high. And so that's yeah. uh, it's a sad state of affairs. So let's take a quick yeah. break. We'll come back. We will uh put a wrap on the show. You're listening to the Huddle on 830 WCCO. 
Welcome back to the huddle. Finishing off a fantastic show today. Talking NFL Combine, Pete. Uh, it, it begins this week. I, lo- I do love the Combine. Not necessarily for any other reason that it really is a – I just am amazed at what these guys can do. Yeah. Um, I genuinely think that the Combine isn't nearly as useful football-wise as it once was. Uh, simply because, you know, back, what, 10 years ago, maybe 15 years ago, there were guys you hadn't heard of or maybe haven't seen them play as much, and all of a sudden they do these crazy things, you know, they, these amazing 40s and all this other stuff, um, you know, the bench press and the vertical and all that. Um, but, to, but you know, one, scouting, and uh, you can, there is literally almost no way you can miss a kid anymore with, with the size of scouting staffs, the abundancy of video that's on the Internet, and all these national games uh, all over the place. You, you almost see everybody, I think. But to mm-hmm. me, what really always stands out is that a lot of these skills, these amazing things, they're fun to watch, but they don't really apply to football. You know, it's, it's, it's great to see a guy throw a ball from his knees or his butt, you know, and this is a borrowed take from a national show host I heard, gosh, years ago when they were talking about Jamarcus Russell. Oh, it's great. Mm-hmm. Jamarcus Russell can throw the ball, you know, 45 yards sitting on his butt. That's fantastic. But when you're on your butt in the NFL, the play's over. So what good does that skill do? I'd rather see if he knows the playbook and can get a hit a guy on stride. Um, mm-hmm. bench press is great. Speed is great. Speed doesn't always translate though. What is your opinion on the importance of the NFL combine this week for NFL teams? Well, I think there is some importance. I mean, I think that you do have sort of a gauge that you want to see these guys up close. You know, you've watched them maybe on television. You've watched them from a stadium, but have you been right up there in front of them and looked them in the eye and seen who they are and see what they look like physically and, and then correlate that to, okay, well, okay, they look great. And we already know this guy's going to bench press more than anybody we've ever seen or, or run a 40 faster than probably ever imagined. But, you know, we also need to see what he does on tape. And, and that's the part I think Dave, that really stands out most for me is there are so many players you got, you brought up probably the best example of it in, in Jamarcus Russell. Great player for one year. You know, there's a stat somewhere about quarterbacks that only put it together for one year that went into the NFL, the Ryan Leafs of the world and so forth, where as opposed to those that maybe did three or four years uh, in college before going to the NFL and proved it over all those years or at least showed incredible improvement over the three or four years as a starting quarterback or something like that. And that's the part that I think is missing. And, you know, these guys just literally these days, unfortunately, they see a guy run a four four forty, and suddenly he's a much better player than he was five minutes ago. And it's right. like, really? <laughs> is, that, is that really the way it is? And I'll give you an example this year of somebody like that. Um, and, and I'm not denigrating him at all, but Anthony Richardson, a quarterback down at Florida, you and I probably never knew his name until recently, if you even heard it uh, <laughs> before that. Yep. But, but, but recently – now, all of a sudden, he's a top 10 pick. Now, what I find interesting about that is you, you look around the entire college football world, and, and suddenly this guy's in the top 10 and co- top couple as far as quarterbacks go. And I'm not saying he doesn't deserve to be there, but he's barely over 50% completion. He throws nine interceptions against 17 touchdowns. You know who he sounds like to me? 
is the guy who went in the first round a few years back that, that got Aaron Rodgers so angry about from Utah State, and his numbers were not that impressive. And yet, for whatever reason, something he did, whether it was his size or whatever it was, they said, you know what, we think this guy's an NFL quarterback. And yet, he was playing at Utah State against inferior competition and threw all kinds of interceptions. So yep. I've always been... I've always been shocked by that type of thing. And, and you know, I, I'm not saying that Richardson's a bust, but now they're already comparing him, believe it or not, they're, they're comparing him to Josh Allen because of his physical structure. And, and I just sit there and look at it and think, you know, Josh Allen's a very unique guy. Um, and I'm not saying that, that Anthony Richardson can't be like him, but um, he doesn't have the numbers right now. He's only a sophomore. At least, you know, Josh Allen went through the whole college experience and then came from Wyoming and got to Buffalo and, and has done what he's done. And he, he's a great dual threat guy. But when you get a guy who's a sophomore out of college and he gets there, no matter how good he is, no matter how good those numbers are, all you got to do is go down and look at the Chicago Bears to see what I'm talking about. I think he's a heck of a quarterback. But is he a quarterback ready last year? Not really. This coming year? Probably not really. <laughs> and yet, yeah. uh, you know, they just keep doing this year after year after year. And it's, it's always shocking how a guy can go from being, let's say, a second or third round draft pick to suddenly he moves up into the top 20 because of what he did at the combine. That, that doesn't make sense. I could see going down, but I don't see the going up because you've already seen him on, on, all the film yeah. that you've watched and everything else. I just, it's amazing to me, Dave, that we, we go through this every single year, and yet these general managers still fall in love with those numbers. Remember Matt Jones from Arkansas? How, yeah. I mean, people went crazy over him. And you know how many games he got drafted by the Jaguars, and, and I forget what round, but I think it was up there because he put up some great, you know, crazy numbers at the combine. He played zero mm-hmm. games at quarterback, they moved to wide receiver, uh, and that didn't work out. All that being said, I love watching the I love watching the combine. It is fun to watch, and I I, I will most definitely be tuned in uh, this week. I'm sure Peter will chat about it next week uh, when we reconvene again yeah. next Sunday morning. Thank you to you. Thanks to Charlie. Thanks to our guest today, Larry Olam. And by the way, you can always listen to our show back on podcast on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Have a great week, everybody. We'll see you next Sunday. See you.